I'm bringing you an update about the spots. But that last song, mm. we all need something new. There's a lot of us weary and tired, you know? You know, everybody's doing the best they can. You know, we wanna see more than 25 people up here. You know, we, 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 don't, we wanna be together. You know, we don't wanna sit you and make, you know, you go farther apart from each other and, you know, um, but we, but we are Christians. We, it's hard for us too. It is, it's hard for us too. But we have Jesus who gives us the power to do, even when we don't agree with it, you know? I don't want to be the person in the store line that's yelling at the poor clerk. I don't want to be the impatient person that's saying, hurry up. We need to be different. We need to be different. We need to be the ones that say, go ahead, ma'am. We need to be the ones to say, okay, it's not working out the way I want. But we need to be thankful. You know, we need to let our light shine, folks. We're, we've got the power of Jesus. We've, we've got to be the difference. We are living in, a, in a uncertain times. We are living in uncertain times. We need to have grace for one another. You know, we need to have grace for one another. And I know this is difficult, you know, and as I know, we want to all be together. And I mean, we don't like being called and saying, I'm sorry you can come this Sunday. I'm sorry you can't come this Sunday. I don't like doing that. You know, pastor doesn't like it, but he's trying to follow. He's trying to follow the law the lamb put before us. And that's all. And that's all. We can't, you know, um, so I just appreciate, I appreciate the love we have for each other. And let us, our light shine. Our light needs to shine during this time, you know? And if you can't shine that day, stay home. It's okay to stay home. You don't need to go shopping. If you can't shine that day, if you're working through something, stay home. But if, you're work, if you have a job, you can't. But if for some reason it's just you, you're having a harder time, if it's not working for you to shine, stay home. Ask God to fill you up. You know, and that song, we all need a new beginning. That song, we all need something different. So, Lord, we come to you, Father. We come because we don't have it in our own power. Father, we need your Holy Spirit power to, to, to maneuver in these uncertain waters, Lord. We're, we're, we're in a ship and we're not quite knowing how to avoid the icebergs and how to avoid to get to the other side right now, Lord. But we are with you and you promise you will get us to the promised land. So forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for when we're, we're weary and the wandering and if we're complaining or we're so nitpicky about any little thing, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord. Search and know my heart. And see if there be any wicked way within me. And lead me in thy everlasting way, Father. Renew a right spirit within us, Lord. Renew a right spirit within me. So thank you for this time, Lord. Give you all glory and honor. That, that was on my heart. Um, but I want to give you an update about the Scots. They are our missionaries that we have been sponsoring in Morocco for, three, I don't know, four or five years. 
they have recently had to come home uh, a month ago. And um, I just would like to read the beginning of this is from Jim Scott. And um, um, this is from Jim Scott. And this is a beginning, I just want to read you the first paragraph of this letter. And, um, and what this is in the process of leaving Morocco. Greetings in Jesus' name, dear friends. Through our experience that brought us here, you saw our last email, to America, we have experienced Jesus very present through trial. He was with us when pressure was on, when our dreams for the future were shaken, and even in the pressure of ensuing days where we had just seven days to leave our home, find flights amidst the shutdown of a country into some degree of the world. This is a, uh, a turbulent time for us all. I am well aware many of you have had your lives shaken. And so what I want to tell you is they came to him, they, him and his family had just moved to a new town. They had it all set up. They've got, uh, they run an English school in Morocco. They're, they're reaching the Muslims over there. And they came to them, an official who liked them a lot, said, I'm having to tell you this. I'm going to give you a heads up. You have seven days to get out of the country or you're knowing, nobody knows what will happen. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Okay. So, so you have, they had seven days to get out of Morocco. They had, that means to pack up, to find a flight, and to get out of there. And that happened in the middle of the night. So the official came to them and said, so you can imagine what it would be like to have seven days to get out of a foreign country. And, uh, and it was miraculous how God, God opened up every door. It was miraculous that they got flights. They had to fly to London. They had no problem to getting out of London. Then they flew into Washington. And the Lord had provided a house for them to come to. And so right now they're up in Chehalis, or near Chehalis, Washington. They're recovering. They're regrouping. They're asking God, what's next? They don't know they can go back to Morocco. They don't know what their future holds right now. So they ask for our prayers to God's direction on what the right now they're on an R and R. They're in their church in Washington, and um, they're just uh, waiting upon the Lord and resting. And something I wanted to share. Let's see. They were in Morocco for eight years before they saw anybody come to the Lord. Because they were there 12 years all together. But just let that sink into your head for a minute. They were eight years ministering to the people, loving on the people. And it took eight years before somebody opened up and said, I want to have you, Jesus. Isn't that, I mean, talk about waiting upon the Lord and seeing the fruit. To wait eight years and be in a foreign country and just... You know, bringing the good news and bringing the good news. And I just think, God bless them. You know, God bless their, their tenacity. God bless their faith. God bless their equipping of what God put their Holy Spirit in them. And uh, 
to have that kind of perseverance, to have that kind of love for a people that you're not going to give up. Year after year, you keep waiting. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. And that love in you keeps believing. And so, um, Lord, we just lift up this gospel right now. We lift up Jim, uh, Jim and his family, Mary, and the kids, Lord. Father, we pray a special hedge of protection around them. We pray over their hearts, Father. We pray that as they wait upon you for direction, that uh, that they would be able to have peace and rest. Peace and rest, Lord. That's what we pray for them. We pray a special hedge of protection around them. We pray for continued provision for them. And um, just uh, your word says you will guide and lead them in the way they should go. And we are claiming that for them. In Jesus' precious name, amen. And so now what we're going to do for the rest of Mission Sunday, um, Donna will come up and talk about the persecuted church. Then Edward will come up and share about um, Uganda. And then Pastor will come up with a message. And that is our Mission Sunday. Donna? Don't be like me, turn on your mic. <laughs> that one's for you. Yeah, that one's for you. Okay, um, so I'm, I just have a fairly brief update uh, on what's happening with our persecuted brothers and sisters across the world. I work with, volunteer with an organization called Open Doors, and Open Doors' sole mission is to support persecuted Christians across the world. Okay, yeah, sorry, is that better? Yes. All right. Um, as you all know, we've been facing difficulties in this last two and a half, three months, all of us here uh, in lockdown, losing jobs, uh, being isolated, facing mental illness, mental or psychological struggles, uh, emotional struggles, uh, you know, all kinds of things we've been facing. Uh, but I have to tell you, from what I, I have read and seen um, reported about persecuted Christians right now, what they're going through is compounded a hundred times more than that. So this helps us maybe start to identify with more experientially with what they're going through. In lockdown, they've been in isolation. They've had no ability to leave home. And for many of them, being home means uh, they're amongst a family that doesn't believe in Jesus and they've had to hide their faith. So their only opportunity to spend time with the Lord really is when they get out of the house. They've been unable to work and provide food for their children and family. They've been denied provision from their government and community simply because they're Christians. They've been ostracized by their families and villages. Their homes have been burned down. They've been chased out of their village. They've been badly beaten. When there is work, they've been denied work. They can't get help from the police and they're starving. I'm just gonna read you some of the headlines that are already on the Open Doors website. North Koreans facing coronavirus 
family. Pray with secret churches in Iran, risking everything to serve hard-hit communities. Beaten, neglected, and abused, a crisis for Indian Christians during COVID-19. A disabled man, Nathan, and his family of six were also bypassed for relief. He can't walk, but still the local people won't give him and his family any food. The family has been opposed by the village since they came to faith. Are Christians in Nigeria getting uh, scraps compared to Muslims? I saw men and women crying of hunger. COVID-19 creates a dire situation in Syria. And now I'm going to read you just a short article about uh, a family in Vietnam, a number of families. You're not on the list. A hundred plus Christians refused COVID-19 aid in Vietnam. Our field recently shared that 18 Christian families in North Vietnam, 107 people, including children and the elderly, have been denied coronavirus-related government aid because they follow Jesus. You're Christians and your God shall take care of your family, authorities told all 18 families. The government is not responsible for your families. Although Vietnam has already lifted its nationwide lockdown, the government and several charitable organizations still provide support countrywide, especially to those who are poor, have meager incomes, or have lost their jobs during the lockdown. According to our Open Doors local partner in the area, these families are poor. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic and related lockdowns, their work has stopped. They strive to put food on their tables and they consume their rice little by little every day, he says. When they learned the government's support was coming to their district, they were so happy, only to find out that they were not on the list because they're Christians. Through our local partners, Open Doors is currently in touch with these believers and is arranging to provide food relief kits and other urgent needs for them. And Open Doors is currently uh, collecting donations for these food kits. They're putting together upwards of 50,000 survival kits is what they're calling them. And they're distributing them throughout countries uh, and uh, areas where people are in these really dire straits. There are uh, flyers up here if you'd like to grab one. Uh, you can certainly donate on the Open Doors website or designate your uh, donation today to open doors and it'll go towards that. In the survival kits, they include staples like flour, rice, tea, cooking oil, salt, potatoes, soap, masks, and sanitizer. And that's really basically what I wanted to bring to you today. But I also wanted to share with you very quickly that what we're sharing today, Debbie and I and Edward, uh, these are invitations, I think, from the Lord to partner with him. Uh, the Lord is looking for people that want him and only him. And he's inviting us to partner with the things that he cares about. And uh, yeah, this is his invitation, part of his invitation to us today to care about
Uh, just to let you know, um, before Edward, Edward's coming up next. Um, so what we do on Mission Sunday is we collect all the offering and then we will divide it like between Uganda and Open Doors. And uh, so just to let you know, uh, part of that will be going today to Open Doors. So um, as soon as Edward comes back in here, he's on next. There he is. And for the ones of you who don't know, the Lord blessed Edward and his family with a home out in Salishan for two months. Amen. Amen. They're out of their little motor home. You think they're excited a little bit? So as most of you are aware, we are not able to fly to Uganda this coming month. And that kills me. But God is good. Amen. Amen. So we have uh, decided to lay low for the next six more months. So we're hoping that uh, December we will be able to go back home. And pray, uh, continue to pray for us. It's going to be a long six weeks, I mean six months of waiting to go. Um, my family back home and the village were really excited to see us coming back this summer. And I just want to thank you. I want to thank this church. I thank Pastor Stephen and Debbie and the rest of you for standing with us during this time as we were waiting and hoping to go home and the support you've given us. And But we also want to thank you for helping us finish our house in Uganda. That's the mission house. Uh, the way we think of a home in Africa is not just your home. It's, it's a mission center. It's, it's a place where everyone comes, even the village come. And that's how we think of our home in, in, uh, in Uganda. Uh, our goal is to transform that village completely provide water in that village, provide electricity, solar power in that village, and to provide education in that village as well. So that's our big picture. So this is our home, which is almost finished. And now we're just waiting to put the water up in that tank and it will be it. will be uh, ready, waiting for us to go there. In the meantime, our daughter, Irene, uh, whom we, it's an orphan uh, girl that I actually um, adopted when I was still in high school. She lived with us when I got married and we sent her. She finished her college last year. She, she's waiting for us. She will be staying there. Amen. Amen. So God is good and continue praying with us and we will be here. Uh, we'll be checking on you every now and then. While we were gone, we were here. There was not a single day that I did not walk around in the sanctuary and prayed over those chairs. I thank God, and I know it's going to be working. Amen? Amen. All right, God bless you.
I've been running around a little bit and I've left my microphone downstairs. So you're just going to have to be satisfied with my ability to project. Is that all right? You forgive me? Appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I think that Edward at the beginning of worship, he said something so insightful, which is that he's just tired. How many of you feel tired right now? Is it just me? No, there's a few of us. Okay, good. Just feel tired. There's a lot of emotional um, energy that we've had to spend. There's a lot of mental energy we've had to spend. Uh, some of us are physically tired. Uh, some of us are economically depressed. And right now, I just want to invite us as we kind of as we go to scripture and finish our time together talking about mission. I want to just invite us for a moment. Would you just would you close your eyes with me? Would you put your hands out in front of you as just an as just a gesture of saying, Lord, I need you right now. Lord, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Lord, there is no one other than you who can come and rescue us during this time. We need you, Lord. Donna Cito, uh, who wasn't able to be here today, but she sent me a message about a word that she got from Romans. Uh, I'd like to read you this passage. This is from Romans 8, starting in verse 18. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. How many of you feel the frustration right now in this universe? In a hope that the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We need to move from decay into freedom. And we can't do it on our own. If this virus, if these unsettling moments in history can tell you anything, it is that we are incapable of doing this on our own. Amen. We need God. Yes. We need him desperately. Yes. We need him in our lives. We need him in our community. We need him in our country. We need him in our world. We need <laughs> God. And so... With that, I want to turn to 1 Corinthians 12. And there's one verse, as I was putting together what I wanted to talk about today, as just a short reflection and message, there's one verse that really captured my attention. We've heard some testimony about the way that God is working through us, through this church, through organizations that we're paired up with, through people who are on mission. But you also have a part to play in that. And for me, at least, that can be very exhausting because I think about all the things in my life that are currently demanding my emotional time, and my emotional energy. And then God comes to me with his plans and his mission. And I feel like saying, Lord, you're going to have to wait a while. I have other things on my plate. But scripture tells us that we are on a mission. And today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate the Holy Spirit coming and equipping the church to be on mission, to do the work of the gospel. And for some of us today, we need that same boldness. We need that same access to resources. We need the translation. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the strength. And so I want to spend just a minute looking at one verse out of 1 Corinthians 12. 
And this is verse 13, and this is what it says. It says, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Brothers and sisters, you have a part to play in the body of Christ. You are on mission with the church of God. You were baptized into one spirit, by one spirit, into one body. That means that you're a part of us. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. And then earlier in verse 11, this is what Paul says. He says, all of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them, he gives the spirit just as he determines to each person. Uh, I want to skip up to verse 7 here, where he says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You are all baptized into one body by one Spirit. The Spirit has given you power. And to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now to each one. And what does that mean? Does it mean that only some of us get access to the spirit of God while all of us, others of us have to suffer through. Does it mean just to the seminary students? God, I hope so. I hope so. Does it mean to just those who are pastors or just to those who are missionaries to those who are persecuted only to them? No, to each one, to each person baptized into one body, each of you. Now the spirit gives to each one to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given on the day of pentecost the spirit of god filled the upper room where the disciples were and it said that it separated and appeared as tongues of fire on those who were there and on that day peter peter the man who had betrayed jesus peter the man who was so scared of being associated with jesus lied about it three times to strangers he didn't know in a small group setting he lied to a slave girl because he was afraid of what she might do to him. And now at Pentecost, Peter stands up in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people. And he begins to preach. And he preaches out of Joel 2, where it says, Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And Pentecost fulfills that. It was the beginning of that promise. And suddenly a man like Peter, who I'm sure had his own share of emotional expenditures in the days following Jesus' death. Now he has the head of a rabble of people. and They don't know what's going to happen. The Jews have kicked him out of the synagogues. The Romans are breathing down their neck. The one person who they thought was going to be their Messiah ends up crucified. And sure, they saw him a few days later, but then he leaves. And they're there alone in Jerusalem. They don't know what to do. They don't have any energy left. And it seems like the whole world is bearing down upon them. And the Spirit of God begins to flow. The Spirit of God begins to enter into an impossible situation. Into a situation with more questions than answers. And suddenly the spirit of God begins to transform people. 
So that Peter, the last person you would think to be bold, is now preaching to hundreds, if not thousands of people that he doesn't know, declaring Christ, the one who was crucified, putting a target on himself. It wasn't because he thought his way out of a situation. It wasn't because he had a good rest and a good meal, and so he felt like he could take the world. It was because the Spirit of God descended at Pentecost and provided with him with the provision that he needed to go on mission. You're on a mission. You are on a mission. In your places of work, in your families, in your school, you are on a mission. And you may say to yourself, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can be the light. I don't know if I have the emotional energy. I don't know if I want to sit down and listen as people try to explain themselves to me. I don't know if I have the time necessary. I don't know if I have it. What you need is the Holy Spirit to begin to flow. What you need is the Holy Spirit to begin to give you the provisions you need to complete the mission that God has put before you. What you need is the Spirit of God. What you need is Pentecost. That's what we need. God has called us to mission. And we are his missionaries. We are his missionaries. And just like at Pentecost, I really do believe, I don't just say this because I'm a pastor and they make me. I really do believe that the Spirit of God equips the saints to fulfill the mission of God in whatever circumstance they are. Whether you're living in a persecuted country and they're banging down your door or you're at a, at a store or in your place of work and somebody makes an appropriate crack about somebody else. I really do believe that the spirit of God intervenes in those moments and empowers you to be bold, to step out when you don't want to, to take on things that are bigger than you, a new boldness, a new excitement and a new empowerment to meet the demands of your mission. It's God in you doing the gospel work through you. And so with that, we're going to take communion. Would you, would you take your communion cup? If you're at home, run and go get something to drink. Communion is about God in us. Last week I said, I can't do this on my own. I need Jesus' strength in me. Communion is about God in us. That Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, the night when he should have had the biggest pity party of his life, the night when Jesus should have stayed in and locked the doors, it says that he took bread and he tore it in half. And he says, would you look at this? Here we have it symbolized by a little cracker. He said, would you look at this? This is my body. And it's broken for you. Whenever you eat this, remember me. Would you eat this with me? And it says that after supper, he took the cup, which we have here symbolized by some juice. And he says, would you look at this? 
This symbolizes the new covenant, which is written in my blood. Whenever you drink this, would you remember me? Would you remember me? Take this and drink it. And we do that. We do that remembering Christ's sacrifice. And of course, after, afterward, after they had eaten and drunk, it says that they sang a hymn. And then they went to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus enters the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember this? And he's there in the garden. And he puts the disciples to one side and he pulls aside Peter and John and James. And he says, could you just come with me? And I just I need to pray for a bit. So he takes the three of them and he, he goes off to a secluded spot. And he breaks down. He begins to cry. begins to weep. He knows full well what lies ahead of him. And he says, please, would you just stay with me for a while? Would you just pray with me? And then he goes apart a little bit from them. And he begins to pray. And he begins to lament. I wonder if you've ever had those experiences in your life where you've spent all night praying. I've had that a few times in my life. Something so heavy is on me. I just, I can't let it go. I spent all night praying and praying and seeking God and crying. And that was Jesus. That was where he was at. And he comes back to his disciples, hoping to find them praying with him. And they're asleep. And so he leaves and he, he prays more. And he says, Father, Father, please, if you would take this from me. If you would take this from me, please. But I know it's not what I want. It's what you want. It's your will that would be done. And then there's a, a verse in one of the Gospels that we oftentimes jump over. It says angels appeared and they strengthened him. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. That when you come to the end of yourself, that when you are spent, you're done trying. Believe me, I know. I've been there so much, even recently. When you are done, and then the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to transform and begins to take your life and infuse it with a new boldness and a new power and a new excitement about the mission of God and begins to strengthen you so that Jesus goes to the cross. Communion would mean nothing if in the garden Jesus decided it's too much. The mission's too much. I have to go sit back down. So we're going to do this. This is going to be our final act here, and then we're going to close up the meeting. But we're going to do something. Would you stand up? I think it's important that we activate our bodies. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and descend on us in a new way today. A new manifestation to each of us. He's going to come and give us a new boldness and a new excitement and a new empowerment for the mission of God. So I want you to honestly, where you are, you can close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes. You can open your hands to receive it. But we're going to pray. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill us with a new excitement. Lord Jesus, would you come now, Holy Spirit, begin to descend upon this place. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill hearts 
Holy Spirit, would you come and bring relief? And I pray right now that there's somebody here who is holding on to a burden, who it just feels like your heart is heavy and full. Holy Spirit, would you come and bring relief to that right now in the name of Jesus? Holy Spirit, would you come and descend? There's somebody here who says, I don't have the power to do what is necessary. In the name of Jesus, we pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to fill and empower every person here. Lord, we receive you today. Lord, we receive your presence this morning. God, we receive your Holy Spirit this morning. Holy Spirit, come into this place, I pray. Anoint every mind, anoint every heart. Fill every life, fill every body. Come and pour out on us, Lord, because we are unable to do this on our own. We are unable to complete the mission that you have for us. Lord, we need you, Holy Spirit. Would you come, receive the Holy Spirit into your heart. If there's an area of your life that you're holding back, I want to encourage you. Open it up to God today. You cannot do it on your own. We cannot do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit inside of us. Lord, come and fill us now. Come and fill us with your presence, Lord. Come and fill us with your peace, Jesus. Come and fill us with your hope, Lord. Fill us with your joy. Fill us with your strength, oh Lord. Come and get in Pentecost, Holy Spirit, and fill us. Yes, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. We receive you, Lord, today. We receive you, Holy Spirit. Yes, come and fill us. Come and fill us now. Come, oh Lord Jesus, 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 Holy Spirit. Jesus, I commit these people to you. Lord, that we're unable to do it on our own. And so right now we cast every burden on you. Right now we cast everything onto you. If you have something, if you have a burden on your life that you need to give over to God like I do, would you just raise your hand in the air? Lord, we need you to take our burdens from us this morning. Come and take them now. Come and take them now. We put them down at your altar, Lord. We lay them at your feet, Jesus. Come and take them. Now, brothers and sisters, to him who is able to take you and present you blameless before his throne. The only God, our Savior, who is owed all power, majesty, authority. May you be committed to the mission of God. May you be empowered by the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I hope that you would receive that today. I hope that you would let that sit with you. Don't leave it here. Take it with you. When we come to the church, we come bearing our burdens. And just like the wise men at Jesus' manger, we leave our burdens there. But we take with us hope.
we take with us peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. So I pray that as we go from here, we're going to.